0: Please turn with me to that reading in Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom hath builded her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars. Well, friends, we're looking tonight at this chapter, and my title for this evening is Two Appealing Invitations, Two Appealing Invitations. In this chapter, well, we have not only two invitations, but we also have two women, and we also have two houses, and and as well as the two invitations. And we'll be looking at these things: the two women, the two houses, and what these two invitations are. But both of these invitations are appealing, but in different ways. Now, the picture here in this in this chapter is that of two houses, one on either side, opposite houses facing each other. And down the middle of these, uh, of, the, of these two houses is a road where travelers are passing, going from one place to another. And the people in these two houses are both calling to those travelers who are passing by, calling to them to come in to their house. Wisdom uh, calls on one side, And the other side, folly, we could say, calls on the other side, beseeching these these travelers who are passing down this middle road, turn in to their particular house. Well, friends, we are those travelers. We are those people walking along life's road. And we have these two voices calling out to us. The Lord on one side calling out to us to come, to Him, to trust in Him, to believe in Him, to follow Him. And on the other side, we have the voice of the world, and the voice, we could say, of sin, calling us to go a different path, a life without God, to live a life for self, to live a life for the world, to live a life for your own pleasures. Forget about God, forget about pleasing Him, go your own way. And that—that that is the position here. Perhaps... Somebody here is in that in that position where you're being tugged at at both sides. On one side is the Lord speaking to you, the Lord urging you to come and believe in Him, trust in Him, He will bless you. And on the other side of your heart is tugging you to say, go your own way, follow the world. Well, that's the idea, friends, uh, here. Which path will we choose to go down? Well, let me just go uh, briefly uh, through through these verses. I won't cover all these verses, but just a few. But firstly, let's look at wisdom's invitation. Wisdom's invitation. Wisdom here is pictured as a queen. We know that because she has her own maidens, and she is here identified as a queen. And the first thing that wisdom is going to do is to build a house. Of course, you'd expect this house to be something special isn 't it you 'd expect it to be something more than an ordinary house if the queen is going to live there, if the queen is going to inhabit there, but it must be something grand, it must be something magnificent, it must be something strong and sturdy for her. We can never imagine our queen wanting to live in an ordinary you know, uh, uh, ordinary ordinary dwelling place, she must have something special, so also this queen, while well, she constructs a house which is uh, wonderful. But it also has to be spacious. This house cannot be small because it's going to need to include uh, not just the queen and those maidens to reside there. It must be designed to, uh, to, to gather in many of those who are traveling past. It needs to be filled with ordinary, common people. It must be built not only for her own pleasure, but for them, so that they can come in and enjoy the things that are prepared for them in that place. There's, no, there's going to be no restriction in this palace. It's going to be open to all, all who are passing by. Anyone who wishes may come and enter into this place. Perhaps especially in mind is that young, simple person entering in on, on adult life on the on the uh, on the precipice and not precipice but on, on the verge of uh, adult life, and he's just he, he, he's lacking perhaps in life experiences, and he's lacking to, in understanding and wisdom to know which path uh, he should follow. Perhaps that kind of person is, especially in mind, the young person just starting out in life, needing help, needing guidance. How can he make the most of his life? How can he avoid the pitfalls in life? How can he end up end his days, live his life in such a way that he can end his days well and die peacefully and comfortably on his deathbed without any regrets, without any sorrows? That he's messed up badly uh, in in life. Well, friends, uh, this is what wisdom intends to do to educate the young, but not only the young. All of us, any one of us who desire uh, wisdom, this is uh, this is what is being prepared uh, here. There's no charge to enter this, this palace. It's free. You don't have to pay to enter in. There are no gates to stop, stop people going no guards to keep you out, away. Just like Buckingham Palace. You can't get into Buckingham Palace. You, if you do want to visit Buckingham Palace, you have to pay. And that's only in the summertime, and you can only see so much. But this is going to be a house free uh, entry, no, no tickets are needed. And on top of that, we, we read here as well that there's going to be, verse 2, she hath killed her beasts, she hath mingled her wine, she hath also furnished her table. A feast is prepared for all those who come in. A royal feast is, is prepared. Meat, her food, wine mixed with spices, a variety of delightful uh, dishes. Well, friends, What does all this, what does this mean? This is the picture, but what does it mean? Well, wisdom is Christ. When it refers here to wisdom, it's referring to Christ. You know this from the previous chapter. We don't have time to read it all, but read it in your own time. There you'll see that wisdom's crying, and that's wisdom personified is, is, is Christ, Christ personified. Let's read just a few verses. Chapter 8, verse 22. Listen to this. Who else can it be speaking about but Christ? The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the earth, while he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, this is all at creation, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him. As one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. That is referring to Christ, friends, and his, that he, him being present with the Father and with the Holy Spirit at the time of creation. So wisdom here is Christ. And the house we can think of is, we can say of this house that wisdom is building As the gospel, as salvation, as uh, what God has put into place to save men and women, to bring them out of their sins, to reconcile them uh, to God. This is the house that God has, uh, wisdom has builded, that Christ has put into, into place. And let's just say a few things about this house, about this plan of salvation, about this gospel. First thing to say about it, well, friends, this was wisdom's idea. This wasn't man's idea. This was wisdom's idea. And the gospel is God's idea. It's not an idea generated by man. It's not something that he has come up with. It's not something he would have wanted to come up with because he's so attached to his sin. He doesn't want to be freed from his sin. But here is something... This is God's idea. He took the initiative. He was the one who thought about the gospel. Oh, friends, salvation is not a human invention. It was God. He saw our plight. He saw us perishing in our sins. And he took the first move to do something about it because of his mercy, because of his care, his desire to deliver us from uh, from a, an eternity without Him to bring us back to Himself, He moved. He was so moved. He put this in place, and He makes salvation available to us. He took the initiative. He thought of us before we ever thought of Him, and then we could save our house. Well, this is so obvious. Houses never appear just by itself, do they? They don't just suddenly come up. They need uh, to be built. And it's the same with this plan of salvation. It's not enough just to have the architect perfect his drawings of the house. No, there comes a time when work must begin to erect the house, to build. The building work has to start. The construction must start. The foundation must be laid. The superstructure must go up, and and so on. And that all involves time and time an effort and a great expense as well. And also, Christ, friends. Christ came and builded the house. He did this work of salvation. He did this work of redemption by himself, you know, in order to get to heaven. There are two things that you need. Two things you don't have, but two things you desperately need. First, we know, is forgiveness. Forgiveness. You need to be forgiven all your sins. You need pardon from God, and Christ came and He earned, earned, uh, he, he obtained forgiveness for all those who will trust in Him. You know what it cost Him? Cost Him His own life. Cost Him great agony and pain when He died on the cross. Oh, His physical sufferings were one thing, but he, His uh, soul sufferings when He took upon Himself the punishment of all his people's sins. That was so much deeper and so much more painful to him. But there he was uh, earning these things for us. There he was uh, working out our salvation, working out this plan of redemption, sweating blood uh, and uh, obtaining uh, forgiveness uh, for us. But uh, the other thing also that we need, not only forgiveness, The second thing we need to get to heaven is righteousness. And we have no righteousness of our own. It's nothing that we can have. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags before God. What can I offer God to get to heaven? I may be forgiven, but I need the righteousness to enter heaven. And again, Christ did this for us. He came and he earned righteousness for us by living a righteous life on our behalf. So that all who trust in him, he not only forgives, he gives to you a righteousness, his righteousness, a perfect righteousness. This is what Christ has done. You see, friends, what I'm trying to say? He is building uh, the house. He's, he's the one who has put the plan of salvation into place. He is the one who has accomplished uh, salvation for, for us. So all that we need to do really is believe in him and trust in what Christ has done and we are forgiven and receive reject our own righteousness throw away our own righteousness and receive the righteousness of Christ by faith and we are we are in we're his we're saved we'll go to heaven oh friends this is it and then look at what is prepared for those who turn in to those who turn into this house which wisdom has built ma- wonderful things are prepared uh, for them, food of the highest quality. I don't know if you've ever been to a three-star Michelin restaurant. I've never been. But if, you ever, if you've ever been to a three-star Michelin uh, restaurant, you'd expect it to be so much better than your takeaway down the street, isn't it? You'd expect the food to be there of much higher quality uh, than you get at a takeaway. They say of a three-star uh, Michelin this is their definition, exceptional cuisine that is worth a special journey. Well, oh, you could say this even about the things that God prepares for those who trust in him. Exceptional things. If you turn into this house, if you receive the gospel, if you receive uh, his word and trust in Christ, exceptional, high-quality blessings are prepared uh, for you in, uh, in the gospel. Peace. What price can we put on peace? Peace with God, our maker, knowing that he is no longer angry with us, but that we are his friends, we are his children, to be adopted into his family. Peace with ourselves. Oh, how many struggle with this. They cannot find peace and rest in their souls. cannot find contentment in their soul. Friends, this is one of the blessings that we find when we turn in to God's house. Access to Him, 24 by 7. Friendly relationship with Him. Personal relationship with God. I can tell God anything. I can know His help. I can pray and receive answers to prayer. I can receive an education from Him. This is what's prepared for us when we turn to the Lord. He will teach us Wonderful things. If you wondered, what's the purpose of my life? What am I doing here? He will tell you. He will show you. Is it just to make money? Is it just to get by, to have a family, to make money, and, and so on? To make a name for myself to a certain degree? Or just to live out in a, as best as I can? No. You find there's so much more. Oh, that's like a, the local restaurant, down the, the, the takeaway down the line. God has something better for you, higher quality than that, a life. Oh, friends, he will teach you the purpose of life. He will teach you the best way to live your life. He will teach you how to have a happy life, a safe life. So many dangers in this world, so many things out there to hurt you, to harm you, to spoil you, take away uh, things from you. Oh, friends, how to die in peace. This is what's prepared for you. Delightful things uh, are prepared for you. Things that will thrill your hearts. Things that will satisfy you. God uh, prepares these blessings. I only mentioned a few. There are just uh, so many more. But we move on. The maidens, we read, were sent out. uh, to. In verse 3, she sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the high places of the city, Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine which I have mingled, forsake the foolish, and live. The maidens are sent out to gently persuade people to come in, persuade those who are passing by. Come, come. It's an invitation. What can be more uh, simple, what can be more inviting than those words? Come. There's no compulsion on the people to come. The passers by are urged, but they're not forced. They're entreated. They are, they're, they're persuaded to come and enjoy the feast. The news is presented to them. This is what's in store for you. If you will just enter this house, if you will just go in this way, you will discover wonderful things, precious things, amazing things for you. Just come, forsake your life without God. Forsake the evil, it says here, the foolish, and live. That's all we must do, friends. Forsake, turn away from our sins and turn to God. Forsake that idea of, I'm going to live only for myself and for my own life. That's a foolish idea. Why did I ever go down that path? I was so wrong when there is a God to know. And I'm going to forsake that path. And I'm going to go down the path of uh, pleasing God. I'm going to come, Lord. You said, come. Here I am, Lord. I come to Thee. Help me. Save me. Change me. Teach me. Bless me. Oh, friends, this is, uh, this is our God. He invites us to come. He never forces us to come. But he, it's an invitation. He puts... Come unto me. How many times the Lord's used that word? Come, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He seeks our attention. He seeks our affections. He persuades us to come to himself. Surely then everyone will want to go to this palace. Surely everybody who passes by, those travelers, will want to enter into this place. Seeing the beauty of it, the, the grandeur of it, seeing what's prepared for them well, from the maidens, hearing about that. But sadly, not everyone goes in, perhaps only a few. For there is the other house on the other side, and that's attracting many people. But it's just an ordinary house. What's the great attraction? What's the great thing about it? And the woman who sits outside, well, she's just a simple woman. We read that she knows nothing. And yet she's calling the simple in to teach them things. But it says she herself knows nothing. And yet this house draws many. What's the attraction? Well, we'll see in a minute, friends. But let's look at this house, this other house. And we see in verse 14, a foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple, uh, knowing nothing. Verse 13, sorry. And... (coughs) This this is this woman, is uh, folly personified, and another woman, but she's no queen. There's nothing great and grand about her. She's the opposite of wisdom. As you said, she represents ignorance and uh, thoughtlessness. There's nothing of substance about this woman. There's nothing of there's no substantial ideas in in her that she can pass on to others. And we'll see what she's prepared for people. It's just bread and water. That's all. That's all she's prepared. Compare that with the, the delicacies prepared in the palace. Oh, we, this, this woman is described here as clamorous. That means noisy or loud. She's a, a loud woman, a noisy person. She sits at the door of her house and she too calls those passing by to, to come into her ordinary, plain house. But what does she have to offer? Look at verse 17. These are her enticements. Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. That's all she's offering. I'll explain that in a minute. But look, friends, her aim is just to draw people away from entering into wisdom's palace. She she sits there, to dissuade people from going there and to join into, uh, to come to her house. But the dead are there. Those who go down this way, the dead are there, and her guests are in the depths of hell. Well, friends, while Christ's invitation is a gentle one, this, this woman uh, is clamorous. And the world, we could say, uh, makes a lot of noise to attract people the world makes a lot of noise to get your attention but its offerings are empty it's got nothing to offer you oh do you remember the 19th century the, the latter part of the 19th century and there was a lot of clamor a lot of noise a lot of jumping up and down when people said oh we've discovered where we came from evolution is the answer to everything oh now we know we can answer that question we came from the animals And there was a lot of noise made about it in the second half of the 19th century. But what they didn't tell you is that it reduced man and woman to an animal. It made you just an animal like any other animal and basically said to you, your life now is meaningless. You mean nothing. You come, you go, you live, you die, that's it. There's no purpose to life. There's no reason for your existence. There's no God to know. It's all uh, can be explained through science. Marvelous discovery? I think not. But they made a lot of noise about it. Oh, we also have the world yelling in our ears you need more material things. You need lots of material toys. This is the world's toys. You need lots of money. And then you, if you're rich, then you'll be happy. Then you'll be so thrilled. You'll be, then you'll be at peace. Well, friends, we know money does help. We need money to survive. We're not, we would, wouldn't go against having money. You need it. But it's not true that money will make you happy. Money doesn't make you a man happy. It's only knowing God. But it speaks very loudly, doesn't it? Everyone is saying that. Oh, if I'm only I'm rich. If only I'm rich. If only I had this. If only I had that. Then I would be happy. Then I would be if only I had that relationship then everything would be fine but it's not true friends but look at this what she's offering stolen waters and bread eaten in secret but what's this? well the stolen water was actually uh, goes back to a man and he's, he's got his own well he's got his own field and he's got his own well he can draw water from that well and he can drink from it but he doesn't do that Instead, in the dead of night, he goes across to his neighbor's field and his neighbor's well, and he draws secretly that well the water from that well, and he drinks that water, and he he, he gets a thrill from doing that because he knows it's not uh, not only is he saving his own water, but he's doing something which is wrong, doing something which is uh, illegal, doing uh, taking something in the surreptitious kind of way. Uh, for uh, himself, and he gets a thrill uh, from it. And that's the idea here. Water stolen from somebody else's well tasted better than to drink from one's own. He did something which was in, the, in secret, in the dark, something that was forbidden, and that appealed uh, to him. And it's like that for us, friends. Well, we have a sinful nature within us, a base nature and it finds sin attractive. And it finds the, those baser things in life attractive uh, uh, to us. You can think of adultery. The, the sin of adultery. It has a lot of uh, seductive power. And people uh, who are married go find another person. And in secret they get together that person. And in secret uh, emails and text messages going on between the two. And secret meetings together as well. All these things happening under cover, all in the dark. But they're getting a thrill from it. Why do people do it? Because they get a, a thrill from uh, this kind of experience. Augustine, you, uh, whom, uh, you, whom you know, uh, Augustine, a theologian from the past, before his conversion, he said, he and his friends one day uh, went to an orchard I think it was a peach orchard or pear orchard. I cannot remember exactly which one. But he went, uh, they went together uh, and they, again in, at night and they stole peaches uh, or pears from this orchard, as many as they could, somebody else's orchard. And then they, what did they do? with all, They didn't eat it. They threw all those pears to the pigs. And they were asked, well, why did you do that? Why did you go steal all those pears and then just throw it away? the thrill of it. The thrill of taking something which belongs to somebody else and uh, then uh, uh, doing it in, in the darkness, in the night. I also had a colleague I used to work with and he, <coughs> he was of a similar mind. He used to uh, spend a lot of his salary on gambling, on the races, on the horses. And he spent... A lot of my loss, a lot of money. I and I said to him one point, "Why would you do it?" He said, "Oh, the thrill of of the thrill of doing it. The adrenaline gets going." And but you're losing money, yeah. But I get such excitement from it at the time. Oh, friends, this is uh, what sin is like. Sin has this thrill uh, to it and it draws, and that's why these people are drawn towards this house because it's a house which allows people to indulge in their sin, to embrace a life of sin. But it doesn't tell you what happens after. She doesn't tell you what happens after. The person entering this house, he doesn't know. He's simple, he hasn't been warned. Don't go into that house, death is there hell is there you will lead you to everlasting destruction don't go there that's what verse 18 says he knoweth not that the dead are there that her guests are in the depths of hell and friends that's where sin takes us that's where a life without God takes us it takes us not only to our temporal death but to an eternal death and to hell an eternal separation from God and his goodness, and his love, oh friends! This is, this is what the world offers. Live a life. Live as you please. Follow your basic instincts. Live out your lust. Follow your lust. Do whatever you want to do. Don't worry about God. Everything will be okay in the end. Everything will be fine. It won't, because there's a day of judgment. There's a day of accountability. There's a day when we must stand before God. And none of us can avoid and escape that. Oh, friends, don't we want to know what will happen, which path, where our our choice leads us to, to everlasting life or to everlasting death? Surely we want to know. The Bible tells us so clearly these things. So here we have it, friends. This is my message for today. Two appealing invitations. Wisdom, Christ, Christ. God calls us on the one hand, come to me. I will bless you. I will educate you. I will fill your life with good things. I will be gracious to you. And when you leave this world, I will take you to heaven. Because that's another house we could talk of that wisdom has built. Heaven. And the wonderful things prepared for us there. Things that are so amazing, friends, for the believer, are prepared uh, in heaven above. Oh, which one will we choose? Will we come to him? Will we forsake our sin and trust in Christ? Or will we go down the other path? Will we follow those baser in, instincts of our natures? Oh Lord, help me to follow you. Take, keep me from that path. Though it seems so attractive, deliver me from such an attachment to my sin. My sin which has offended you. My sin which has been against you. Deliver me from that and give me life. Grant me understanding. Lord, I come to you. O friends, let that be your prayer. Come to Christ and receive his blessing. Let's pray together. O Lord, how we bless and thank thee once again that thou dost speak to us and warn us as well as call us so gently to thyself. Give us a year to hear thy voice. Give us power, Lord, by thy Spirit to come to thee and change us. Make us new people. Give us new hearts, a heart for thee, O Lord, a heart for thy blessing, for thy glory, and help us to rise above the baser things of this world, the empty things, the vain things, the passing things of life, O Lord, that we may find those solid joys and lasting treasures in our Saviour. Bless us, each one. We ask in our Saviour's name. Amen. Amen. And Let's sing our final hymn number 390. Lord, I was blind, I could not see. 390.